Welcome to this episode of Appalachian Shine, the official podcast of the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. I'm J.C. Swinegruber, and I'm here again with Adam Mason. Uh, Adam, how you doing today, buddy? Doing pretty good today, bud. Sitting here watching it rain a little bit. So I'm over in southwest Virginia, and I'm watching it rain. And you're uh, over in eastern Kentucky, and all we're doing is watching it rain here all through central Appalachia. So it's been uh, it's been one of those weekends for sure. But you know what, though? It's been a pretty exciting week. Um, I had a chance to get on the road, and uh, I was over in your neck of the woods, actually, um, on uh, Tuesday and then uh, coming back again through on Thursday. And uh, I had some work I had to do out of town. But as usual, you know me. I'm kind of a nerd. I'm always looking for something interesting to, to learn, something new. And I got to do a couple of really cool things while I was gone. Um you're a fan, you're a big fan of history, right? You're a oh yes. Okay, so there's a lot of history that's taking place right there in Eastern Kentucky, and um, as I drive through there, I've been lately. I've been on this weird kick, Adam. I've been uh, looking for historical road markers, and I've turned into that guy that pulls off the side of the road, and I'll stop and I'll read these things, and I'll get fascinated by history I didn't even know happened right here in our own backyard. You know, it's kind of like when you, I think you'd mentioned to me before driving across a bridge, you'll see it's named after somebody and you never knew who it was named after, but it could have been named after a union general or a Confederate general or, um, you know, a modern war hero from World War One or World War Two. So there's so much right here in our own backyards that, you know, we, we just don't realize day to day. Um and I know you're a big fan of history, and you'll like this. I was in Frankfurt for a couple of days, and I actually visited the grave of Daniel Boone. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I was I was really fascinated. I had no idea that he was buried there. Um, but when I found out, it's like, well, I have to go see this. <clears throat> so another one of our uh, board members, Gary Stratton, uh, he, he actually um, showed me where it was at. And Daniel Boone, obviously, you know, America's greatest pioneer and an Appalachian legend and, and has you know, family ties rich through this whole region still to this day. Um, he was actually uh, buried the first time in Missouri. It was in St. Louis, I think. So even after the, you know, the wars and everything, he wanted to keep going west. He was always he always wanted to be on the edge of the frontier. And when he was buried there, um Years later, uh, the state of Kentucky, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, petitioned Missouri to bring his body back. So they did. And they brought him and his, his wife's body back. And they have a, uh, it's in a cemetery in Frankfurt at the top of a hill overlooking downtown where you can see the Capitol building in the back. Uh, so it's a really, really amazing view. And uh, just, just to think, you know, kind of kind of has that cool feel that you're thinking, wow, there's you know, a true American icon and legend that blazed a trail through here, quite literally. And uh, you know, helped, it's so important to America to expand West that, uh, you know, how, just how rich in history we are right through here. You're right there. This is a, this area is very rich in history. It's just a lot of people have forgotten it or haven't been taught it. Uh, all this information you was telling me about the battlefields down Presentsburg, that was brand new to me. I really thank you for bringing it to my attention. Yeah, and for years, um, 
probably better part of 15 years. I've been driving back and forth across Mountain Parkway uh, in eastern Kentucky and then exiting off there in Salyersville and then heading toward Prestonsburg and back through Pikeville. Um, I had no idea how much Civil War history was literally right there after all that. And driving right past these these markers, um, I've this weekend on my way back, um, I stopped at two locations. Uh, they're right there in eastern Kentucky, uh, Adam, right not far from you actually. And uh, I found where there were two battles uh, that were very crucial um, to the region there in the Civil War. Maybe not in the grand scheme of things. Well, I guess in a way, maybe one of them was. But uh, locally, you know, of local importance, uh, the first one, I found this um, a little closer to Pikeville, between Prestonsburg and Pikeville, but a little closer toward Pikeville. There's um, a monument just on the side of the road. You get through a curve, and if you don't know to pull off the side of the road, you'll go right past it. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's like a little, I thought it was like a little miniature, it's an obelisk. It looked kind of like a little miniature Washington monument. But when you pull up to it, uh, it's uh, it's got a brief description of the Battle of Ivy Mountain that took place right there uh, near near Pikeville. It's um, historical marker number one sixty four, and actually they, they say it's near Prestonsburg, but um, but it, it commemorated the Battle of uh, Ivy Mountain, which was an early uh, Union victory. And early on in the Civil War, there weren't very many Union victories, as you and I both know. Um, it, because it was one battle after another, or one skirmish after another, that the Confederacy was winning, and it really demoralized the the Northern troops and, and their you know their armies. Um, during the first year of the conflict, though, it brought several reverses to the Union forces, and this was in the summer of 1861, right there in, in Pikeville or near Pikeville. Uh, the first large battle of the war uh, was fought in, you know, in the summer of 61 at Manassas, or, or they also call that Bull Run. And there were, I think there were two major battles there, Bull Run. But that had forced, um, and I've come to read this through the Battle of uh, Ivy Mountain, that it forced a big retreat back to Washington, D.C. So, uh, you know, Confederate victory uh, at Wilson's Creek in Missouri was also very demoralizing to the Union. Um and then there was another route in Northern Virginia at a place called Ball's Bluff in October of that same year. And it saw the Union Army. They were just looking around for something positive. You know, they were trying to find some silver lining to the overwhelming defeats that they were facing. <coughs> so um, th they ended up having an early uh, Union victory at a, at a place called uh, Camp Wildcat, which was also in uh, Appalachia, but it's on the, on the, uh, in Kentucky there, Rockcastle County. And that was in October of 1861. So that was really their first uh, Union skirmish that they won. And uh, so that kind of gave a silver lining to it, which led to what was going on later uh, in that year at Battle of Ivy Mountain. And um, and I'll get off of the battle here just for a second, Adam, because I wanted to talk a little bit about the monument. It's not overwhelmingly huge. But one thing I noticed is that it was like not very well kept up. Um, have you noticed that with local, local, I guess, historical markers or monuments in your area? Yes, I have noticed that. Um, Once they put it up, it seemed like that's it. They forget about them. Yeah, this this particular one, I don't know 
I would, I would kind of expect it at least have like some pavement where you can pull it and park. But it's all just uh, gravel. And it's not even really like well-kept gravel like you would see somebody do with their driveway. It's just dirt and, and a little bit of rock you know, scattered about. The, on either side of it was, um, I guess, one of those little marquees where it would have a description of what what you saw. But the, but the uh, covering of it to keep the, I guess, the lettering underneath clear, it was so, I guess, foggy and broken up. You, could, you couldn't hardly read anything underneath it. Uh, and, of course, the grass, they let the grass and everything grow up around. And just, not really grass, it's just weeds. And uh, there's a trash can over by it, like a big trash bin. No, not like a big bin, but, uh, but a metal trash can that was quite large. And obviously, in the heat of the summer, it's just there's no reason to put a trash can there to smell. You smell it, obviously. Uh, and I thought, sure. wow, you know, what a horrible way to keep up a, a monument um, that's to commemorate a battle, you know, from Kentuckians on both sides of the war, actually, at that time. So, uh, anyway, I was just kind of kind of frustrated that it wasn't kept up any better than it had been. <clears throat> and I don't know who, who that falls on to upkeep that whether it's the state or the locals or what but um, if they're listening i certainly hope they would go out there and maybe try to clean the place up and you know give it a give it a nice fresh coat of paint make it look nice you know um just for uh it'd be i thought it'd be a great thing to have a lecture and if you have just like a 20 minute lecture from a, a history teacher they could take the bus and have their kids get out of school for a little bit to go out there and learn about local history which i think should no, that would be yeah, I, I think that should happen more and more with schools, but um, so I suppose some do. Uh, but I, you know, that's, I guess that's a question for another day. I'd have to ask both my sisters because they're school teachers, um, but I don't really, you know, they don't teach history. But I'll get back to the to the war here. Um, so after the uh, the Union had a, a victory at the little skirmish at Camp Wildcat in Rockcastle County in October of '61, uh, they attempted to, I guess further disrupt the Confederate movements in eastern Kentucky. And General William T. Sherman, he ordered Union forces under the command of a guy by the name of William Bull Nelson to go down into eastern Kentucky and start confronting the Confederates everywhere. So Nelson actually, he managed to get a, a force of about 5,500 men that were um, both from Ohio and Kentucky. They were all volunteers. So he got volunteers from Kentucky and Ohio and they sent their troops through to Floyd County, and they were going to secure the Big Sandy River Valley region. And I, you, you probably know that region pretty well too. Um, so down the Big Sandy River. So uh, at that point, um, although a Confederate Colonel and a, and a Kentucky native, uh, he was his name John S. Williams. From my notes here. Uh, he commanded a larger force at a place called Piketon. Piketon. I know that doesn't sound right, but that's what we call Pikeville now. So they called it Piketon back then. So the battle was uh, fought against uh, Nelson, another Kentuckian, by really an ill-equipped, undermanned Confederate detachment uh, led by uh, Captain uh, Andrew Jackson May. So on November 8th of 1861, this is when, the I guess, things heated up. The engagement only lasted like an hour and a half. Um, so the Confederates made a stand at the foot of Ivy Mountain near the two tributaries of the Big Sandy River. And it was a t and a tactical move, though. Uh, Nelson divided his men and outflanked the Confederate troops and forced them to withdraw. 
and uh, there was actually some casualties there. Uh, there were six dead Union soldiers with another uh, 20, 24 of them were wounded. And Confederates lost 10 and 15 wounded, and 40 more were declared missing. So, I, you know, I don't know what happened to them or if they, they fled or what. But as a result, uh, the Union forces captured Piketon, or Pikeville now. So the Confederates continued their retreat all the way back um, into the state of uh, uh, Virginia via Pound Gap. And that's probably a stone's throw away from you as well. Yeah, it's already about nine miles away. Yeah, so just imagine right there where you live, all these soldiers pouring through to retreat back. Um, but with the Confederates out of the region, uh, Nelson uh, left the big Sandy Valley to go command other forces. But the uh, Confederates entered the area again in January of 1862. And this time under the command of a guy by the name of uh, General Humphrey Marshall. And they were defeated at the Battle of Middle Creek, which I'll talk about a little bit next, by forces led by a guy by the name, and everyone will know this guy, or should if you sat in a history class, Colonel James A. Garfield, which later became our 20th president. So I, I thought that was pretty fascinating. That is very fascinating. He was here just about an hour's drive away from the border of Virginia. Yeah. And then later on, he became president. That is very fascinating. Yeah, so so um, come to find out that James Garfield, President Garfield, when he was um, a colonel in the Union forces, he was from Ohio, but he, you know, he actually had a big part to do with keeping the uh, Confederates out of eastern Kentucky and basically into eventually shoring up Kentucky for the, for the Union. Um, so... Another area that was mentioned in this where the uh, Confederates were retreating to back through the Pound Gap, they were on their way back to retreat back to their bases in Abingdon, Virginia. That's a long way away from Pound. That's been a hard walk. It, I'm sure it was. <laughs> That's a long way to go. But that was where they were They were retreating back to. So, um, yeah, so when, when John Colonel John Williams was recruiting in southeast Kentucky, he had uh, – about maybe a little over a thousand raw volunteers gathered at, at uh, Pikeville or Piketon, as they called it, which is about 28 miles south of Prestonsburg. So, um, yeah, that and that monument was actually put up in, I think, from my notes here, it was cast in uh, August of 1960 was when that was put up. Yeah, so they've had that monument there for a while, so which means people have been driving past it for 70 years now. Um, uh, so, so there's really no excuse for us not to know about it, except, you know, just part of that history that fell away, you know. So that, uh, that, was, that to me was quite fascinating to find out that there was a skirmish right there, and, the, you know, the Union forces prevailed. Um, but, of course, the Confederacy wasn't finished trying to go back into Kentucky because... Kentucky was split like half Confederate and half Union for a long part of the war, right? It was, yes. So at the Battle of uh, Middle Creek, uh, this monument was put up maybe not that long ago, a handful of years ago. I remember uh, emails going around by a group that was trying to commemorate the battle there, and uh, they were trying to raise funds. So the Battle of Middle Creek, actually that's a little closer – uh, to uh, as you go past the, the when you exit off 
at Prestonsburg from going from Pikeville. Um, there's a McDonald's right there at the exit. If you hang a left off that exit, like you're going toward Salyersville and Mountain Parkway, you're going to find that monument over on your left. It's not a monument, really. It's a park. And you'll see this big wooden sign out front saying uh, uh, Middle Creek Battlefield. And, of course, they have the placards up so that you could read the history of what happened there and about how it was Kentuckian against Kentuckian, for the most part, um, at that battle. And that's where James Garfield, President Garfield, actually was out on the battlefield on that one, not just like a colonel overseeing everything. He was out there in the, in the mix at this one. And, the, and they've actually done the, the, the park up really nice there. When you pull in and you got your, you know, your flag, your American flag there uh, coming through the sign, there's a nice parking area. Um, the, the placards are really easy to read. It's well-maintained. Of course, it's a lot of grass has grown up, but I think that's on purpose because they have a trail, one off to your right and one off to your left. And one's called the Confederate Trail. The other one's the Union Trail. And it's like a walking park where people can go and just, you know, take your pets, go walk, go jog, whatever. Just enjoy your day out. But it's, uh, you know, it's it's there in remembrance of this of this battle. And that battle actually began, you know, we're talking a year, well, a few months later, when the Confederacy was trying to push back into eastern Kentucky. Um, so the battle actually began January 10th of 1862 when uh, James Garfield led the Union. Uh, against the experience of a Brigadier General Humphrey Marshall and his Confederate soldiers, and uh, and how it, uh, this uh, this battle was uh, was won there at the the forks of Middle Creek. So I, you know, people can you can go look online for a lot of detail on that particular battle, and that's at middlecreek.org. And uh, it's really fascinating stuff if you want to learn some local history. Now James Garfield. He actually he became the he was our twentieth president, but he was one of the pre <coughs> excuse me one of our presidents that was assassinated, and uh, it was a slow assassination. He was shot and died a few months later from the wounds, the uh, injury of the wounds. I think he was only in office maybe six was it six months, something like that. Adam. Yep, it was, it wasn't in there. Yeah, so it's uh, a you know, fascinating history. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I don't have Corona. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but, uh, but it's fascinating history. It took place right here. And it was that battle that actually pushed the Confederates out of Eastern Kentucky from what I've read, uh, from what I understand um, that uh, you know, solidified that for the union uh, in that area, in that region. So, um, so much history right there. I would like to see um, some sort of uh, like a reenactment there. From what I read somewhere, I think there may be plans in the works maybe for next year to do a reenactment there at Middle Creek National Battlefield. If so, that'd be great. I'd love to go there and film some of that. And if you're around, Adam, you'll have to go out there with me because this seems like something right up your alley, too. I would love to go to the reenactment. Yeah, so a week chock full of history, Civil War history and American uh, getting to see Daniel Boone's final resting place, and um, th there's just so much here that uh, that you know we we probably ought to have in history books. Maybe you know just for local history, if we actually could ever get a class like that in our public schools. Um, but you know the the information needs to be put together succinctly and put out there 
for people to find easily and readily uh, to learn about their local history. I agree with you there. It would be interesting if the schools would actually teach a class on local history. When I was a kid, we had a class for Virginia history. and But, you know, I was, I don't know, I hate to say it. When you're that young, you don't really have an appreciation for it. But I think maybe it's just something as we get older, Adam. That I can't believe I turned into that guy that pulls off the road every time I see a, you know, a historical road marker. Um, and on a previous uh, episode of, of this podcast, I talked a little bit in detail about Lord Dunmore's War and uh, all the forts that were built around here. This was pre-Revolutionary War that actually led up to the Revolutionary War. Um how many skirmishes we had here. I actually found the location of one of those forts where Daniel Boone lived and not to sound too much like a nerd, but when I'm standing there on the side of the road and cars are whipping by and I'm reading this road sign, this road uh, marker, I'm sitting here. I just, it gave me jitters to think, wow, this American pioneer and patriot and hero uh, was standing and walked across the ground right here where I'm standing. Yeah, the guy lived here, worked here, fought here. And it does put things in perspective when you do that, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Um, so I'm trying. What I'm trying to do is piece together all the locations where there were forts in Southwest Virginia and probably leading up into Eastern Kentucky too, because um, Dunmore. His name was. Um, I forget, uh, forgetting his name all of a sudden <laughs> but uh john murray that was his name he was just he was the earl of dunmore hence they called him lord dunmore but he uh he built so many forts and there was a battle that coalesced up in point pleasant west virginia and i only thought that place was known for the mothman mystery and you and i talked about that on a previous previous podcast but um i, I was just mesmerized that there was actually a battle of point pleasant which was they called the unofficial first war, first battle of the Revolutionary War. Um, and a lot of people don't. Yeah, I had no idea either because British forces joined the uh, the uh, Chief Cornstalk and fighting the, uh, the Colonials, even though Lord Dunmore was the one who pushed you know, the Colonials up there. Uh, I think the, the you know, people back in Britain and the, you know, the powers that be we're kind of fed up with the chippy Americans and they were going to put us in our place. And uh, so anyway, two years later shot heard around the world happened and you know, the rest is history. But, but they said that was the unofficial first, first battle of the revolutionary war. Wow. That's not that far away from here. No, it, it really isn't. So it, it you know, puts into perspective how his, how Appalachian history is so important to American history. And just that manifest destiny and that attitude and spirit of pioneers like Daniel Boone. And that's right here in our in our genes, so to speak, you know, uh, in, in central Appalachia and all of Appalachia. Because you know, if it weren't for us, there really wouldn't be a West, you know. People had to come through here. And, uh, that's, Everybody did have to go through this direction to get out to the western part of America. You're right. Yeah. So, so it's very vital, a lot of the history that's here. Um, I wanted to bring up something, Adam. One of the, you know me, one of the things I hate doing most is talking about fundraising because I just got to hate asking people for money. But we're a 501c nonprofit, 501c3 nonprofit. And, um, you know, so we're all volunteers. 
And I would, as much as I wish I was an independently wealthy guy, along with the rest of the board members, they could just pay for all this out of pocket. We, we really can't. But we have some projects we want to do in regards to this history. Like we talked about the Lord Dunmore's War and the, all the forts that go along the clinch. We want to be able to find the locations and actually put together short books. Not, not like long books that bore people to death, but 20 to 30 page short pamphlets that people can grab and pick up and read about their local history. History that's been lost or forgotten or um, that maybe needs to be reintroduced. And that's something that we want to do as a foundation. But again, it takes funding, it takes printing costs and um, distribution, things like that. So we, we definitely want to uh, piece these puzzles together, just kind of show the importance of our, our local history and our local culture, where some of these things came from. And not just with Lord Dunmore's War or these civil war battles, but we want to be able to, you know, put together a lot of things historically. Um, you know, there's so many things out there that I couldn't even bring up off the top of my head. That's, that's vital to our culture and our, and our history that uh, we drive past every day and forget, uh, or don't know. And, uh, you know, that's important to me. And it's important to us to keep that alive, keep that history alive and keep it, um, make it exciting for people. And not hard to find and not hard to read. You know, that's that's the thing. Um, I found a the last time I found a book on the history of like the Indian Wars in, in southwest Virginia and Tazewell County, which Tazewell County used to be huge, Adam. It stretched into Kentucky. Um Whoa. Yeah, I mean it was county. Yeah, it's been county. But before, you know, before they shortened and, you know, brought in, you know, I guess more modern I guess the county, counties I think were like a day's ride at some point by horse. Um, that they shorten them to, but but you know back when it was huge territories pre, you know uh, during the colonial years, but you know this there were um where was I going with this? <laughs> but uh, uh, but anyway, there's there's so much that we can do to kind of you know piece all this together. Oh, this book that I read on the the Indian Wars and the history of the region, and it was written, gosh, 120 years ago, Adam. And you can barely find it, and you can find it, but I found it on Amazon. You can get it in print or on Kindle, and I got it on Kindle, and I started reading it. And just the language that they would use that long ago, uh, yeah, it's chock full of good information, but it's a real snoozer for anybody that wants to read it and learn about their history. Uh, you're going to get about five pages in and not know what they're saying half the time. <laughs> so, True, they did speak a little bit different back then. Yeah, and you know, so we kind of wanted to put a – you know, for like again, a fresh coat of paint on on the history of the region. So what I've done is I put a fundraiser for this month, and generally about once every other month, I'll put a, a little fundraiser on our Facebook page where people can go and donate. But I'm also, I think, going to set up a GoFundMe page, and when I do, I'm going to put that on on Facebook too, and try to spread that around so people from anywhere can donate uh, to um, uh, you know, help us out with our endeavors and with our mission and so forth. Because you know, ask don't we never really ask for anything unless there's a project that we want to do, and uh, and we've never really asked for much. We've never taken much, but um, you know, as an organization, there's so many things we can do uh, that can make a real impact on not just tourism, but you know, you know, encouraging and, and teaching and um, promoting our culture and our history. And we want to kind of take a little bigger footprint. Um, and right in the middle of COVID with, you know, everybody planning on not doing anything this year, but next year, it gives us ample time to kind of ramp up to do these things, but you have to have funding now to get something done 12 months from now, you know, this is kind of the way things, things work. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be getting some estimated costs on, 
what things like this would cost to print out and places that we'd be able to distribute them through. Hopefully local libraries, hopefully the schools will take them and uh, certain places like those little places along the Crooked Road where they, um, little country stores, we can have these things set up and uh, to give away or, or you can buy them for kind of on the cheap. We don't want anything to be expensive. Um, it's your history and your heritage. You know, we, it should be readily available for you. So um, that's, that's kind of one of our goals here. So if you're listening and you want to jump on Facebook and make a donation to us, we'd, we'd greatly appreciate it. It's facebook.com forward slash support Appalachia. Or you can go to our website and donate, and that's supportappalachia.org. Uh, or you can just do it snail mail if you want to write us a check. We take that too. Uh, payable to Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And you can mail that to P.O. Box. What is our P.O. Box, Adam? <laughs> I've been drawing a blank here. Hang uh, on one second. I'll get it for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think I'd know it by now. Um, it's on our website here. I'm going to pull it up. I go check it twice a week and still draw a blank. Let's see. P.O. Box 397. And that's in Richlands, Virginia, 24641. So P.O. Box 397. So you can drop us a check in the mail if you want. Anything that we get, we certainly appreciate. Again, we're all volunteers here. No one gets paid. And uh, we're just trying to do what we can to pay it forward. And you got to have a passion for this region, Adam. And we all do. That's true. So um, anyway, I guess that concludes our little history lesson today. I'm sure we'll have some very interesting history lesson. Thank you. It was. I was thrilled. I got to see Daniel Boone's gravesite. And that was a highlight of my week. It certainly was. But uh, I don't know who knows what's next on the journey. I'm going to get a map and start kind of uh, plotting out with the pins on where these forts are <coughs> on the Lord Dunmore's War. So maybe next time we'll come on, uh, Adam. Let's, uh, let's talk about – we're getting a little closer to Halloween. Let's talk about maybe some uh, – Urban Legends in Appalachia next time. We can do that, yes. I've got plenty of those. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> hey, how's your website going? You want to pitch your website while we're on here? Yeah, KentuckyMysteries.com. Uh, we're doing very well. Uh, the category we're in, we're actually in the top 3% worldwide of visitors. Nice. Uh, we get around three to 4,000 visitors a day, which is awesome, I think. That is awesome. Yeah, you, you, you have a I like the I like the layout of your website and to, whatever kind of weird topic you want to look at, you have them categorized. And you can go you can go find the stuff. It's really fascinating. I've spent a good amount of time on there myself, so definitely so Kentucky Mysteries. Definitely check it out. But uh, Adam I, I appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll do this again soon and we'll like I said we'll do some 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 creepy stuff, some uh, Urban legends and, and Appalachia, and uh, maybe you'll maybe next time we'll talk about Molly Tyne's ride. That's that's another piece of history I just learned about. Uh, that's a Civil War history here as well uh, in Tazewell County. So that's not interesting. Whole lot on both sides of the border there, Kentucky, and uh, now we're, we'll jump back over to Southwest Virginia next time. But uh, Adam, thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, sharing in the love of history here. This is great stuff. But, uh, again, thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in and listening in. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and on social media. Um, and uh, 
supportappalachia.org. We appreciate everything. Um, you know, one little thing I'll point out again, I hate asking for money, but um, every dollar helps. You know, if everybody that heard this or saw the post on Facebook just did between one and five dollars, that would go a long way and uh, you know, go a good, good chunk into helping us uh, do something like what we're planning on doing and hoping to do here. But all that depends on how much we get in funding. And that comes from uh, you know generous folks like yourself. So thanks again for tuning in and listening. Share the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to it on uh, iTunes. And we will see you down the road.